You've done me wrong. Our love is dead and gone. But as far as I can tell, the blues is alive and well. That's the blues is alive and well by Buddy Guy. He's a blues legend. That's from his 2018 self-titled album, The Blues is Alive and Well. Joe Thurman, how are you doing today, buddy? Sean, I am doing really well. Uh, It's Friday, um, and I'm starting to get – I have a different routine outside of here, and I'm starting to get a little more used to that. I'm a little less exhausted this Friday than I was last, and a a little less last Friday than I was the Friday before. So – my body's getting used to my new, uh, my new rhythm and my new endeavor and so forth. So that's good. Uh, and, um, it's New Year's Eve tomorrow and you couldn't get me to go out if you paid me. So, but we can get into that later. Um, but, uh, I'm doing well and, uh, it's always a pleasure to be here with you, my brother. Yep. I had to remind everyone listening that it's not just Joe, it's Joe Thurman. Joseph <laughs> Thurman. That is yeah, the name. <laughs> that's nice of you. Thank you. Um, so why did you choose these lyrics? I, I never heard of Buddy Guy. I know he's he's apparently a blues legend, but what? why'd you choose these lyrics? Well, when you tell me you've never heard of them, that's exactly, I'm so glad that you did say that because it's exactly, I mean, I hadn't heard of him. I hadn't, had never heard of him uh, until someone turned me on to him in the early 90s. But he, here's what happened. Um, I'm normally living in, in classic rock when it comes to my lyrics and so forth. And I do love the, the 70s R&B. And so I, you know me, I'm eclectic. I like it all over the place, but I can, I could pretty much live 80% of the time with, with, with classic rock and modern rock and, and R&B and the 70s soul. But I wanted to, because we always say here that, and I always, I worked with kids for a long time. And kids get this, this notion that, you know, what kind of music do you listen to? Or what kind of music do you listen to? And I used to tell them, dude, listen to a little bit of everything. You know, don't, don't limit yourself. You're, 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 um, you're not living life to the fullest if you do that. The same way if you go out and you, you, you speak to only people of your own race or creed or whatever, you're, you're not living the right way. You're not getting the most out of life. I mean, I, it, I'm telling you, I, I, the the greatest joys, some of the greatest joy I have, is 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 engaging with people of that are di- that were different from me religiously, um, you know, nationality and so forth. Um, so that's that uh, to be eclectic is really important. And I wanted to show that we were eclectic and that we can uh, not only talk it but we can walk it. So uh, I'm driving down the road yesterday. I'm listening to my typical. You know me. I'm a Stones head. I think the Rolling Stones. I mean, it's just for longevity, and not only the longevity, but the be- the best front man in the business. And my God, they're still doing it. And then they lost. They lost Charlie Watts. God rest his soul. They lost him last year. Um, but that band is just incredible, and to me, the, they are the alpha and the omega. I'm listening to uh, a song they did on my playlist driving down the road the other day, and I'm cranking the, the volumes like crazy. It was Can't You Hear Me Knocking was the name of the song. In that song, Mick Taylor, the guitarist for the Stones at the time, um, was has just so, a solo in the middle of this song, Can't You Hear Me Knocking? And he's just wailing away. And as, as he's wailing away, I'm thinking, I wonder what lyrics uh, I'm going to, you know, 
views for the show and it just hit me oh my him wailing away on this guitar i'm thinking there would be no mick taylor there would be no keith richards there would be no uh jimmy page eric clapton jeff beck all these guys that we idolized growing up and thought my god how did they do this and where did they get these ideas and so forth there would be none of these guys all these guys consulted they consulted the the blues legends like buddy guy muddy waters robert johnson uh a bb king of course and all these these guys these rock and roll guys that we grew up idolizing as we found out later sometimes you know when you're a kid and you're a teenager you pick up the book the rock and roll history book in like the fourth chapter and, and you, the, the first three chapters is that you don't really but when you go back and you get a little older and you see oh, wow Wow. And you see pictures of a young Mick Jagger standing next to Buddy Guy, like with his eyes wide open and this kind of because these guys could straight up pick that guitar. It was unbelievable. So I said to myself at that point, let me go back because I mean, Buddy Guy does 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 a song called Feels Like Rain that, that I didn't even mention here. This is from a song uh, called The Blues is Alive and Well. And the blues is, sounds like a grammatical error, but I think in this case, it could be the Southern twang, but it could also be, when you say the blues, if I said to you, rock and roll is still alive, that sounds right, right? Because I'm using rock and roll as a singular. He's using the blues, even though it ends with an S, the blues as one thing, one concept, one genre. So that genre is still alive. So um, to the song, to the lyrics. Okay, so I just wanted you to know what motivated me to swing over and and research a little blues. Um, <coughs> the beginning of the song is is really cool. This is the second verse. You've done me wrong. Our love is dead and gone. But as far as I can tell, the blues is alive and well. Uh, he goes on to talk about um, as far as as long as his heart is beating and as long as his lungs are breathing. The blues is alive and well. And what I take from that is uh, as long as he can tell his story, and I think he has a lyric somewhat to that too in in the song, as long as he can tell his story, the blues is are alive and well uh, because he's living it. He's living the blues. And that's kind of what I like about the blues in general is, yeah, some people can say, well, it's a downer. It's a downer, but you know, life is a series of ups and downs. It's a seesaw ride, and we all experience these things. So why not take some of these things that make us feel a little blue or a little down? You know, things don't always go our way, and and you know, and filter them into um, an art form, you know, musical form. That's what I like about the blues. That and really to get back to the guitar, to get back to the electric guitar, electrical guitar, and the um, the pioneers that really they go unsung uh buddy guy bb king muddy waters robert johnson just these guys down in the mississippi delta that were tearing it up in the 40s and 50s even robert johnson before that um but it's such a neat story and i just wanted to show again my primary objective i was spurred on by that mick taylor the rolling stones guitarist in can't you hear me knocking it reminded me when I heard him just wailing away on this guitar. Um, it just reminded me of these guys. And that's where we are with it. The lyrics now, themselves. I, yeah, go ahead. I appreciate you uh, 
sharing how you you because we don't just pick these lyrics randomly. We're like, oh, this is cool. No. Lyrics. You know, they mean something to us, and I I appreciate you sharing with our audience the the thought process. Um, yeah, so and sometimes you know sometimes they'll jump out at you. You'll hear a song on the radio when you're gone. Oh, that's it. Sometimes you don't hear anything and you think, geez, I want to put something on the show. And then you start to think. So sometimes it jumps right out at you. And sometimes you have to contemplate it a little bit, but you're right. Go ahead. And his, uh, his story is cool. I mean, he, uh, he learned to play the guitar using a two string diddly bow he made. Um, then he got a, someone gave him an acoustic guitar. Um, and then he was also, he, when, before he got really made it in music, he was working as like a janitor at LSU, mm-hmm. the, the college. Mm-hmm. Um, university um so he's got a really cool story and i love learning about you know inspirational people and pioneers in their field because um as an african-american guitar player and as a blues artist um his influence reaches way farther than a lot of people may realize i mean yes. i didn't even know i'm sure i heard the name buddy guy before uh i feel like maybe on howard stern show he might have mentioned buddy guy i'm not probably sure. yeah um because you know he's a, he appreciates music um, and good guitar players, but he, he, this guy inspired people like Eric Clapton, Hendrix, Jimmy Page, Keith Richards. Yes. Um, Just Gary, those... Clark, Gary Clark Jr., John Mayer. So, and he yes. actually did it, said he played with uh, the Muddy Waters back in the 60s a little bit. So, uh, yeah, tremendous stuff. Uh, but in, in terms of just isolating these lyrics, uh, I think they're good lyrics, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the love is dead and gone, but as far as he can tell, the blues is alive and well. So, you know, his love might be dead and gone with whoever that girl was. Mm-hmm. But now he's got the blues this thing about. Thank you for that girl because she just gave him a lot of inspiration for a lot of his music. Now the blues is it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be it, injected into music now. What there. happened in that relationship? Exact you got it. You got it exactly. Like this happened to me and this bummed me out. This is killing me. But you know what? As long as I have that, I can sing about it. So the blues are gonna be alive and well because you keep feeding that fire. Because that's really how energy works. Energy is about like turning other energy into your energy and shifting it and things like that. Um, You know, I'm not a, I'm not a physicist by any means, but um, he's basically turning his pain into something productive into the, putting it into his music. So he's, he's, he's deflecting and using that, that negative energy from that relationship and turning into something positive, which I, I just love that concept of people using energy. Um, well, they say with energy, it, you can't life and really, uh, um, you know, doing something special with that ent- the energy and that inspiration. Mm-hmm. You can't destroy energy. You can only transform it. So, exactly. you know, yeah. So that's 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 a neat thing. That's what one of the reasons I really believe there's there's life after what we call death. We call it death because to us right now, it seems like death. Right. And maybe something tremendous. I mean, you know, we've thought, we you and I've spoken this, about this about this before many times that the moment we take our last breath, the people around us, if we're lucky and fortunate people around us are upset, they're crying and oh my God. But the soul that leaves our body might be like, oh, oh yes, that might be rejoicing. Like this, this is the best thing ever. I'm free. Like, oh, that kind of, so I mean, it real that really could be because, um, you can't, we are energy. So you can't destroy us. You, the energy in us can only be transformed. And how is it transformed? What does it look like? Where does it go? These are the questions that, you know, that was in, we did one show on the, on deep thoughts, but I mean, that's all real stuff. There are books written about this kind of thing. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's so. just wild that energy can't be created nor destroyed. Um, yeah. 
only it's transformed. Only converted, really. So it's you know, it's just yeah. You know, we're not physicists or scientists on the show. We're just you know, no guys doing the nor, show. But, you know. Nor do we have to be to speak in basic concepts, right? Yeah. I don't have to be. I don't have to have a degree in theology to give you my sentiments about Jesus Christ because I I've read enough about him. All right, and I've watched enough things about him. To, to make intelligent comments about it. I don't have to have a degree from Columbia Bible College to speak about him. Okay. So that's that. that that's just an example. We, I don't have to hang around with um, the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers to make some basic observations about the basketball team. So, uh, but that's the first thing some, you know, uh, yeah. you know, you don't have to do those things to, but yeah. go ahead. Um, I guess transitioning from the opening lyrics, um, Rest in peace, Pele. Uh, probably mm. the greatest soccer player ever in history. Um, he was Brazilian. Uh, I think he lived till 82 years old. He's a legend. I mean, he scored. Look at his numbers. Um, he scored almost a goal a game on average. Um, yeah. So he played like, you know, a ton of games. I think he played. He probably played over, you know, close to 2000 games, I'm guessing. Um. Or maybe more. I don't know. He has. He's got a shit ton of goals, but um, it was he's just. The, you know, mm-hmm. It was just tragic to hear that he died because eighty-two. You know, we talk about the average age of death and things like that. Eighty-two. We talked about how Franco Harris seventy-two was kind of young. Eighty-two is also kind of young. Yeah. Too, so, in this day and age, it is. Um, my Pele, uh, my Pele memory. Um, well, there's lots of them. There are lots of them. But when I was a little kid, I'm coming back to 10 years old, 1974-ish, played some soccer in, in grade school and really liked the game. So the township had a team. We had a pretty good team. And I signed up for the township team and was playing. And one other player, a friend of mine, Brian, his father, <clears throat> was telling us about this guy. Now, this is before cable TV. This is before Sports Center. This is before all this stuff. But he said Palais. And they're like, who's Palais? And then he spelled it P E L E. And he says, this guy is the best soccer player in the world. And he can do this and he can do that. And I'd like, he's explaining the bicycle kick and everything else. And we were like, wow. And I remember seeing little things of him on the news here and there. And then I saw one night, I was 10 years old. Um, It was a Friday night. So dad let me stay up. and my older brother was watching me, but I wanted to see he would, they were going to have a segment on Palais on this Tom Snyder. Um, it was called Good Morning America and it ran from 1130 at night to one in the morning. It's like an hour and an hour and a half. But after I saw my little segment on, you know, Pele, I was to, you know, go hit the rack. Well, I sat there watching the whole doggone thing. And then finally they did it like a last, the last 10 minutes of the show. They got that segment in. But I was okay. I I got to see because of a while there, I was thinking, oh, geez, they didn't forget, did they? Uh, but I got to see at 10 minutes to one, I got to see the 10 minute segment on, on my hero at that time, which was, you know, you're 10, you're 10 years old, but Pele. And, um, then he played for the New York Cosmos, I think, for a while. Yeah, like but yeah. Post, post career, like the, there was a U.S. Uh, soccer league. I think it was like North American Soccer League or something like that. Uh, they got a bunch of like, international superstars like Pele. I think they might've got Maradona too. Um, I don't know. Um, Giorgio. I think Giorgio they got, or something. They got like a bunch of these big names. Um, yeah. Yeah. He was in that. He was in the Cosmos, but that's how a lot of Americans probably, you know, knew him or the first, you know, was probably hearing about him. Cause he won. He's the only player in history to win three world cups. He won three yeah. world cups. 
Um, and another cool thing about him is uh, his name, because his name's not actually Pele. It's like a, it's like a, it's a oh, long, it's long. Yeah, it's, it's, it's... Name. Um, but part of the name, um, the first, the first part is Edson, and that Edson, he was actually named after Thomas. He was after names after an American, Thomas Edison. So that's a pretty cool thing. I just that's pretty cool. And he basically, for the people they, they removed the eye, they, they removed the eye. They called him Edison, but they, they it was an inspiration of Edison, Thomas Edison. Right, but for people outside the thing and really don't understand, he was the Babe Ruth. He was the Babe yeah, Ruth yeah, of soccer. Absolutely. Yep. Um, Dude, and he will be missed. And he was one of those players that he was adept with both feet because in soccer, because I'm I'm a lifelong soccer player. I played, you know, I played some college soccer too. Um, and using both feet is not easy. Using no. both feet is, is required to be a high level player. And he was adept with both feet. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter because the defenders try to push you on your weak foot. Oh, this guy's ready. I'll push him. So he has to shoot with his uh, left foot and then vice versa. Right. Whereas you're guarding Pele and the defender is like kind of screwed. It's like this guy's just so much better because he's a lot of big time soccer players that like we talked about a couple episodes of Lionel Messi who just won his first World Cup. Um, they're anticipating what the, de- the defense is doing, what the players around them are doing before it happens. They're constantly thinking and anticipating what's going to happen next. So the combination of his skill, his God-given skill, um, the ability to use uh, two feet, um, the work ethic, anticipating what others are going to do, uh, just led to a prolific career. Yeah, and in other countries, there's just a lot of because it's it's their game and they're so good. It also reminds me of that same team a couple of years later, my my township team, and we were we were we were look we were good in our league. We were really good, um, but um, one of our coaches knew somebody from North Jersey, and they got this team a bunch of U- Ukrainian kids, uh, and they came down to play us. And I'm going to tell you something: they kicked our <laughs> Ass. They did. They kicked our ass left and right because this was their, you know, this was their, their, their main sport from, you know, from their country and they lived it. And it was, we thought we were good and we were good for, you know, for, you know, American boys in a normal American town. And we play four sports a year and so forth. And, and we were like 17 and three one year or something like that. We were good, but they came down and they humbled us. You know, it's that old saying. You know, there are two types of people in this world, those who are humble and those who will be. And they came down and they we ate some humble pie that day. We couldn't believe how good these kids were. But yeah, that, I yeah. digress. I, uh, every, it's always every town's always different. But I played travel soccer for you know most of my youth. And mm-hmm. um, there was just some high level players in different towns. But what happens was these super clubs started being created, these training academies. We had one called Match Fit Academy. Another one called PDA, uh, Players Development Academy, mm-hmm. and they would basically just recruit and uh, get the best players all over the state. And they'd be in like a like it's almost like they were playing pro pro soccer. These these players would be right. better than everyone else. Um, right. So we had our like you know, I played I I played in some like special clubs too, but you know we had our we had upset them a couple times and here and there. But those those clubs were by you know by by far uh, better than a lot of us. Um, but anyway, I digress. Rest in peace, Pele. Uh, he was a hell of a player. I'm sure he was a hell of a guy. I just want to say one more thing before you close the book on him. Okay. Um, I saw on Sports Center they're going to have him um, laying in state on the fifty on the fifty yard line of the pitch uh, in the, in there there in his hometown or wherever in that home where he played on the fifty yard line. Um, and then they're going to carry him or his have a, a procession through the streets. 
Um, so there's, there's more to watch. There's more to see to keep your eye peeled toward Absolutely. people who watch sports center or something like that. Cause that that's powerful stuff, man. Yeah. They're going to have some cool, cool commemorations and whatnot. Yeah. Um, we had to make sure we, uh, cause it just happened, I think today. So, yeah. or, you know, so yesterday, yeah. good timing for the show that we get to mention him and mem- commemorate his life. Um, so moving on yes. to our, uh, actor tonight, uh, Joe, you chose this one. Uh, how about I'll let you introduce him. Sure. Now, as we say here all the time, we, we, we are going to, if you, if you, if you picture a fence post, you know, every hundred yards, a fence post, those posts are going to be the giants in the industry. And in between, we're going to have, um, actors, you know, actors who are under behind the scenes and are really, really good and they go unrecognized or don't get enough credit. You know, Ed Harris comes to mind as one of mine that is really good that never gets the, the right credit. But tonight I'm going to do a fence post, guys. I'm not going to do my, my holy grail. And yeah, I told you who that is. I'm not going to do that one for a while. I'm going to pick a special time to do that one and I may have to go seven deep to get his, but this is a giant. Mr. Denzel Washington. I mean, what can you say? Um, I have a top five here. And again, top fives are subjective, right? Uh, Denzel, it, it, you, it, you, you could have your top five and someone else could have their top five. And we, we may not have a movie that overlaps on any of our lists. Okay. He's that good. But you also, also bear in mind, you know me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not going to say a Civil War buff because when you say Civil War buff, you imply that you know a hell of a lot about it. I don't, I'm not a Civil War buff. I don't know enough to call myself a Civil War buff. However, I'm a Civil War enthusiast. So my number five is a movie called Glory. Um, it was, uh, Matthew Broderick was in it. It was, um, uh, about an African American, uh, regiment in a Civil War. And if you look into history, um, I don't know if we win that war without the help of of our African-American brothers helping the union. Um, but he played a part. It wasn't a giant part, but he was he he was there the whole movie. It was a pretty good part. Um, he played a private in the in the in the United States, in the union. Uh, and um, Morgan Freeman was in the movie. Broderick was in the movie. I mean, it was a really good movie. And I, 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 I dig Civil War stuff. So that was my five. Four was the, the movie or play. It was the movie Fences with Viola Davis, who we mentioned a couple weeks ago. Three was a Spike Lee joint. Okay. It was He Got Game. He was Jesus Shuttleworth's father in the movie. And what a character he was. Number two. He had a great afro on that movie, too. He did. He let that out there. Um, number two, man, two and one, two and one kept bouncing, kept, you know, toggling. They could have gone either way, but two was remember the Titans, the football coach. Great movie. Great movie. And not only that, speaking of Gettysburg, there was a scene in that movie where he runs his players in the middle of the night and he runs them through the woods. And then through the woods a little more and across the field, then he stopped. And he says, you see this? This is Gettysburg, fellas. You know how many guys died out here and gave this? He gave them a pep talk. But it's I, I didn't plan that either. It just came to me. It's just remembered. But remember the Titans, the gist of that was about, you know, um, the times and about um, how, how a football team, a sport like football can unite people. 
uh, people of all sizes, colors, creeds, and so forth. Uh, number one, without a doubt, King Kong ain't got nothing on me. Training Day, what a movie, what a movie, what a movie. Now, I don't like his main character, but he was a badass mother. He really was. He really was. And I just think um, his his role in that, his acting in that was was unbelievable. And he, he made you hate him, that's for sure. He made you hate him, and that's a good actor plays a role like that. If he can make you hate him, he's doing a yeah. damn good job. Yeah, and that scene in Training Day, um, where where Ethan Hawke in the beginning he gets in his car. It's like a it's like a Monte Carlo. It's an old school car. Yeah, and, uh, Denzel is like really like just te- pushing his buttons and testing him to see what he's made of. Mm-hmm. And he says to him, uh, "You don't like narcotics? Get the fuck out of my car. Go back <laughs> to the office. Get a nice pussy desk job. You know, <laughs> yeah, some yeah. bad checks or something. Um, you know what I mean? He's just putting the perspective. He's like, get the fuck out of the car if you're not ready for this. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. you know, um, but yeah, your top five is vastly different from my top five. Um, and that's okay. The range of this actor. Yes. Um, I think Denzel's an awesome guy. He seems like a great guy in real life too. Um, yeah. You know, he's got it all going. He's got the looks. He's got the charisma. He's got the acting chops. Um, you know, he's born in uh, 1954. His big break is a lot of actors, especially actors who were born in the 50s and 60s and 70s. They didn't get their big break till around 30 years old. Um, I think he went to Fordham University for a year. Then he then he like dropped out to go study acting in, in San Francisco and moved across the country. Uh, then he started acting in theater. Um, and then he really didn't get his first uh, real big role in break. Saint um, Elsewhere. Was Saint Elsewhere. It was a show yes. that ran from like 1982 to 1988. So he started off on TV. He was a TV actor. Yep. And then it wasn't until around 1989 when he was in Glory, the movie you referenced. Um, once he was in Glory, that's what really got his career rolling. Because, you know, looking at his body of work, after glory um, is just crazy to look at some of these movies that he was in from like 1989 to like 1996. Um, he was in some big time movies. Um, so he was in Malcolm X in 92. He was in the Pelican brief in 93 Philadelphia also in 93 mm-hmm. you know, crimson tide virtuosity courage under fire. 96, the preacher's wife, actually preacher's wife's an underrated movie. I feel like not, that was in 96. Um, uh, Fallen 97, 98. He got game was 98. You get my point. He just started going on a run. Antoine like, Fisher, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Bone Collector, the Hurricane, remember the Titans? Ricochet was a, a, a movie that he, yeah, mm-hmm. but he was in a lot. But in terms of my top five, um, I would say, you know, not, not in particular order. Uh, it's it's training day, it's American Gangster. It's Remember the Titans, it's the Hurricane. I'm surprised you didn't put the Hurricane on. That was a great movie. About the boxer? I almost went gangster, but I don't I don't yeah, remember gangster. the I don't remember the other one, the Hurricane. I don't remember oh, that. Oh, no, you have to watch this movie. I'm going to. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, it was from 99. Um Phil he was also in Philadelphia with Tom Hanks. That was a great movie. Um mm. kind of an uncomfortable movie for a lot of people because he played a lawyer and they had to represent this guy suing his law firm, trying to prove that they fired him for this specific reason. Um uh, you know, then he was in, he's, he's in a franchise now his mo cause he's not in a lot of stuff anymore. He's like, he's older now and he's kind of picking the spots and enjoying his money probably and just taking it a little bit easier than he used to. Um, and I'm certainly, it's not a lack of people trying to get him in the movie. Um, he was in the, he's in the equalizer and there's been the equalizer too. I think there's an equalizer three coming out. 
you know, it's one of those franchises. It's like John Wick. He plays a badass guy who just kicks the shit out of people. Yeah. Um, you have to, Joe, have you seen any of the equalizers? I haven't. I heard, I, I heard some younger folks talking about some younger cats talking about <laughs> yeah, those. I, I haven't I'm, seen them. I'm kind of happy. You haven't seen some of these movies. Cause if you really like Denzel Washington, these are some great movies you got you have yeah. to check out, man. Did you see John Q? No. Wait, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. His son's in the hospital. He like, yes, I did see that. That is a good one. That is a good what about one. The, the Manchurian candidate. Don't th- I've heard that t- the title before, but I don't think I saw that. And I want to tell you about it. A one he did with um, John Goodman back in the day, and it was called Ricochet. And I remember it because they were singing a Stones tune. Time is on my side. Time is on my side. Yes, it is. Oh, well, I they were that. singing yeah, that. Yeah. He plays a cop in that, right? Yeah, yeah. But I remember the tune. I remember the movie. Now it's been a long time ago, Sean. But I remember that movie at the time, thinking that's cool. They got a Stones tune in here. Plus, wow, this is pretty cool. This plot yeah, is pretty John cool. John Lithgow plays the guy who's like tormenting him, right? Yeah, it was Lithgow, and I thought it was John Goodman. No, it's Lithgow. It's Lithgow. It's Lithgow? Okay. Yeah. See, that's what I knew was one of the. But, that's, but that's I remember another, the movie is so cool. It was That's cool. another actor we'll focus on one episode too, because Lithgow is a great actor too. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a complex character that one, but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you gave it your top five and picked Denzel out because Denzel always growing up. What I heard from like my mom and you know people around me was like, man, this guy's a great looking guy. And I'm young and I'm thinking, I'm just happy that they're 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 you know not just saying that white people are good looking. Um, you know they they have all these opinions on all sorts of races. And, but in particular, it was Denzel Washington. It was like, oh, my God, Denzel. Like, they really like Denzel Washington. Um, the woman really just flock over the guy because his looks. But he's just a phenomenal actor. And what is it, with, what is it about Denzel Washington, uh, his acting skills, that really stands out to you, Joe? Like, do you think, like, he's able to take on, like, any role and really convince you? Um, his, the way he, like, accentuates his words and his body language in combination with the script uh, that leads to a real believable character? You know, Sean, if if I were to to make a list of things that it, it, with these actors, all of them, actors, actresses, people who act, yeah, you know, the, the 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 boxes to be checked, like that, that impress me. I think the biggest thing, and we say this all the time, but it's not a real difficult equation. It's are you pretty versatile, or or can you are you a one trick pony, or can you do several things? He could do several things. Do you have screen presence? This cat has presence. When he's in the room, you know it. When he's on the screen, you know it. He's just got the presence, whatever it yeah. is. Presence is because they they say you're either and then a star, longevity. But go ahead, you're either a star or you aren't. Yeah, and then it's star. longevity after that. Yeah, um, but yeah that's so it. He's an awesome actor. Um, glad he's still alive. I don't want to be doing an episode in the you know in the in the near future where we're like commemorating Denzel Washington's life. I'm hopefully. You know, the man. No, it's kind of early for that, I hope. Well, you know, because all these guys are dying, you know, like Franco Harris was 72. I don't know, Pele's, Pele's 82, but Denzel, um, you know, he was born in 54. So he's not, you know, he's not, he's not that old, but he's in that age range where you never know if suddenly something could happen. Yeah, getting I a little long in the tooth. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully he's like uh, Clint Eastwood. He can just live till his 90s, in his 90s, and keep doing his thing acting wise, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Is Clint still alive? Yeah, Eastwood's still alive for sure. Wow, that's he's fantastic! Still doing his thing in Hollywood, his own Hollywood production company. When I was in New Orleans, actually, uh, one of my Uber drivers um, said he like drives for like Nick Cage and Clint Eastwood. He was like telling us some interesting stories and whatnot. But he said wow. Clint Eastwood's a really great guy. 
the, yeah, it's cool. The last I saw of Clint Eastwood was that movie called um, El Camino. That yeah, was that pretty was, cool, man. It was okay, it was our, yeah. oh God. That was. We both digress over here. Denzel, <laughs> keep up the good work. All right. Yeah. Um, shout out to Denzel Washington. We love you, man. Um, as far as our Snapple fact today, Snapple fact today, Snapple fact number forty-five. Uh, yes, elephants, sir. Elephants are capable of swimming twenty miles per day, and one of the reasons that they can do that is because they they can swim completely submerged underwater and use their trunks as like snorkels so the snorkels can stay above water while they're underwater and uh they swim you know they can swim up to you know at least 20 miles per day they're capable of and they're these huge magnificent animals um yeah it's you know it's it makes sense you know what i mean because i now that i'm thinking about it i've seen like these national geographic videos and things and i've seen elephants in person too at like you know at circuses and at like you know safaris and whatnot but um you know, it's pretty cool. They could use their friggin' trunk to uh, to breathe like it's a snorkel. That is, that is right. I, I was actually a little surprised. I mean, I know animals can always do more more than we think they can do. I know they do peculiar things that we never realized. But I just didn't think. I thought to myself, "Wow, that's a hell of a long way for an animal that big." But you're always surprised. You know, that's what that's why Snapple facts and so forth. You know, that's why they're mostly always surprising like that. Um, but I guess you're right. After you really, really think about it, it does make some sense. I mean, they are big, but that's a lot of muscle there, you know. So uh, they're, they're amazing creatures with their memory, and um, they're really neat. And people love to interact with them, um, you know, the circus people and so forth, and zoo people. My most recent memory of an elephant, I just saw this movie, uh, this new Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie movie called Babylon. Um, it was a three-hour movie. It wasn't like the greatest movie. It was like, you know, a little bit longer than it should have been. And the first half was better than the second half, but I digress on that. But there's a scene in the very beginning of the movie where they're trying to get an elephant to like this giant mansion, but the mansion happens to be up like in the middle of the desert, up a, a long hill. Um, and the guy's pushing the elephant, the elephant's in the back of the car. Cause he goes to pick up. He's like, I thought I was here to tow a car, tow trucks or something like that. He didn't tell me there's an elephant. He's about to leave. And the guy greases, greases his palms, basically gives him cash to help him transport this elephant to the party. Um, and then as they're pushing up the elephant up the hill, because the, the car stops, it's about to roll that back downhill. I'm like, what do we do? How do we how do we cut weight to like make sure we can get this elephant uphill? Uh, anyway, he throws some grass in the elephant's ass, and I guess it just it, it induces the elephant to start shitting like crazy. And the, the shit, the amount of shit that comes out of this elephant, and they just keep pushing it up the hill. I don't want to ruin it, ruin it for anybody who's seen Babylon. This is not really a spoiler. It's kind of a disgusting scene, but it's funny. Um, but anyway, you brought up the Snapple fact with the elephant. And this, you know, this is most recent elephant memory for me. You just see this guy completely getting shit on by, by an elephant while he's pushing this car with the elephant in the back uh, up a hill. That's a rough I mean, deal. Yeah. So that was uh, interesting. But, uh, you know, it worked out. The elephant got to where it needed to go. But um, I digress. No problem. Um, shit happens. This week, uh, current event, because it's the end of the year. This is the last episode of 2022. Um I want to talk a little bit about, I saw an article, uh, New York times, um, a man was sentenced to 16 years in prison for plotting to kidnap Michigan's government, uh, governor, um, I believe her is Whitmer, Michelle Whitmer, I believe her name is. Yeah. Um, and I'm just happy that he was, you know, he's finally like sentenced to, you know, prison. Um, 16 years doesn't sound like a ton of time for a guy who like plotted to kidnap a governor. 
but this stuff is popping up all over the news. You know, it's like these people are think they're getting really like these these citizens because it happened on January sixth with the the riots and the the Capitol Hill thing. Um, you know that I'm not going to talk about that because that's that's really political. But these people they have these strong political views. And they get so crazy. And I guess they have too much time on their hands. This guy was an unemployed vacuum repairman. He was living in like the basement of like a vacuum shop. And I guess he just had too much time to think, you know, idle minds make you do crazy things. I guess there's, there's a quote like that, right? It's idle, idle minds or something like that. Well, and well, you get a guy like this too, who's very susceptible to indoctrination. And then you get people on the TV that feed these jokers exactly that kind of thing to make them now you've got already got a guy that like i said you've got a volatile character here so now you've got a tv network feeding them information that's going to send them ass over heels so who's to blame i think i think the so-called television network or the, uh, the shit pile if we're since we're talking a lot of shit today a pile of shit i'm not going to mention any names but that network that feeds jokers like this that kind of information should bear some responsibility too but i'm not going to sean i'm not going to get political i'm starting i'm starting to feel my triggers go i'm just going to i'm just going to bring it down here i'm going to let you talk a little bit more about this character and i'm going to move on to the next because i don't want to i don't i don't i don't want to i don't want to venture into anything here go ahead you can finish the story so um, he's, he was an adherent of something called, I don't even know this existed. It's called the Boogaloo movement. Uh, they seek to overthrow the American government. So they have like training sessions and heavy, heavy weapons and uh, scouting missions. Um, but they could have easily killed the governor. It was a botched kidnapping. But what happened was the FBI infiltrated the group. This is what happens a lot. The FBI, you know, they're always up to, they're always trying to keep our country safe. Um they infiltrated this group with this crazy guy and they, they, they put a stop to it pretty much. Um, I think what happened was, uh, well, he wasn't alone, Sean. There, there were was about a four, traffic stop. six other guys with him, but go ahead. Yeah. There was a traffic stop and like some law enforcement, someone was killed and then there was a negligently, negligently, uh, constructed bomb. Um, but yeah, I mean, just this guy, the idea of this, this, this citizen, you know, having these weapons and playing this big thing to overthrow the government, and all those people out there like that. It's like, Jesus. You know, that's scary to know that there's all these people out there. It's like, you know, they can't enjoy their lives. They can't just enjoy some podcasts and some movies and some music besides the, you know, the stress from work. Sure. A lot of these people are yeah. unemployed. And they don't have a direction in life. And they just somehow think that the government is so bad. Well, that's like, not somehow. Like, they're being fed this bullshit, like I told you, but that's okay. I've said enough. We can't just blame it on like a network. TV. You can blame a lot of it on it, brother. That's you can blame a lot of it on it, brother. Because the, these know. turkeys look up to the, they think they're watching real stuff, but yeah. they're, they don't know they're being had. But go ahead. Yeah, I'm just happy. What's the next? Know, that's good. I'm, I'm happy that, you know, had a little chance of success because law enforcement uh, infiltrated the group. Um, and you know, 16 years to me doesn't sound like a lot. They're trying, his lawyer's trying to use the defense that he's just a guy who's just talking a lot of big game. He's not really dangerous. He has not no previous criminal record. Therefore he shouldn't be in jail for life. Um, but you know, I don't know, 16 years, you know, cause if he's in jail stewing for 16 years and he's not like rehabilitating himself, you know, when he gets out of jail, is he still going to be as like angry and he's going to want to do even more violence, you know? I don't know. It's yeah. a slippery slope when you do two long sentences, but also it's a slippery slope when you do two shorter sentences and you set a bad precedent. But this actually reminded me of another article 
um, that I read a couple of months ago in the New York Times. Um, it's happening all over the world. It's not just America. Um, there's a guy in Germany. He believes he has like some royal bloodlines. Um, <laughs> he is part of a, the long lost Reich. He, he, he calls himself Prince Heinrich the 13th. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he was a ringleader of a plan to overthrow the German government um, because they're nostalgic for their imperial past. Uh, oh, they want the God. pre ninth. They want the they want to they want to restore Germany to the pre nineteen German Empire uh, when they when they reigned over Eastern Germany. Um, so basically, the conspiracy theory gained momentum in far right circles. Uh, they're saying the post war republic in Germany is not a sovereign country. I was just you know they call themselves the Reichsburger citizens of the Reich, but it parallels to what I just read about this Joker. Uh, in America, because it just happens all over the world. There's people out there who just have too much time on their hands, and sometimes they have too much money and too much resources to play with. Because if it could happen, that it could be it could be you know people who have tons of money or affluent. Because there's all different podcasts and stories about this where people doing stuff with their money and their resources, but they're trying to do dangerous things. But I digress. It's another day. Uh, but anyway, yeah. this guy in Germany, they had anti-Semitic tendencies. They're interested in conspiracy theories. Because a lot of these people, they're bored. Um, they have they're anti-Semitic or they're racist or they hate a certain group of people, and they have they believe in conspiracy theories. Even though conspiracy theories are just what they are, they're conspiracy theories. There's usually just conspiracies, and there's no really rhyme or reason to it. But they start to believe these. They start to believe these things, and as you said, they start to watch these different news networks and you consume their news from different newspapers, and uh, it gets a little bit crazy. And they they. They they somehow organize other like minded people like them, and they try to like overthrow governments. And it's like, thank God that we have all these like special agencies like the CIA and the FBI doing their thing to uh, protect us. Because uh, politicians, you might not like all all politicians and what they stand for and what side they're on, but their life shouldn't be in danger. You know what I mean? So I agree. Um, you know, I I just. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the, again, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know me. So I'm, I'm going to go real gingerly here and just say that, um, I could just tell you that, uh, uh, I saw Sean, this is really, a, this is a true story. This, you can investigate this if you want. One guy drove halfway across the country to get to DC and to a certain pizzeria because he saw on with some, some group. I forget what the name of that group is. It, I, there's a, some kind of a weird, um, Oh, it's a letter and a number. I don't forget what it was, but uh, it's nothing but these these asinine, idiotic stories. And he drove halfway across the country to get to a pizza shop in Washington, D.C., because uh, this website and these people were telling him that Hillary Clinton in the basement of this of this pizza oh, shop yeah, was yep. abusing kids and doing this and doing that, eating babies. And and the, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I just it's it's unconscionable. You got to be telling me like you're kidding me, right? You're absolutely no and this this poor look i i i this poor this this stupid really this 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 poor stupid bastard believed a lot of what was being sold to him through these certain certain networks and certain certain uh, groups and certain and he was for real and he thought he was doing the right thing. He was. He thought he was going there to save kids. I can't blame him for going there and wanting to save kids. But the problem was the premise was all screwed up and the premise was wrong. And the premise was just, look, you can think what you want about Hillary Clinton. Do you think she's killing babies? 
I mean, what in the name of God? And, and so is I'm not. It, is she doing it in a pizzeria? Like that's the other thing that he's, and, and he's the basement of the pizzeria, more or less. Yeah, you know, that kind of a thing. So I mean, um, a Q, Q, QAnon, or I don't know what the hell, something like that. Yeah. Uh, some kind of a. Anyway. A lot of these people they uh, they meet online. So there's like dangerous websites, like like Reddit. People think Reddit could be dangerous, but Reddit's pretty much moderated and it's very under control. But then mm-hmm. there's websites like 4chan. Uh, I believe it's a Japanese guy. Um, who like runs it or owns it and 4chan basically like has like a bunch of like crazy people conspiracy theory people who congregate and get together and try to like do like a lot of like violence and do dangerous things and kill people and um, but once these like-minded people get together um, they they only like they're only increasing the beliefs of each other they're only bolstering the beliefs of each other they're like oh you believe that too then if you believe it then I believe it and then you know you're probably right and like they're just, you know, next thing you know, they're, it's like their own um, insulated world and they can't see straight. They can't think objectively and it gets really dangerous. And I guess they don't care about their lives that much to the point where or they think it's it's more their lives don't matter. They're willing to sacrifice their life and possibly go to jail or die to, to carry out their goal and agenda. But I'm just glad that I don't operate in these dark shadows and dark corners of the Internet and the world. And I just read about the news stories about when the government or people stop these bad things from happening because um there's a lot of angry people out there and you know i'm well, happy I'm that t- joe you know joe and i you know we're joe thurman and we're just doing our podcast and we're it's really lighthearted and it's very uh you know a lot of topics that aren't very that serious except when we get to like a current event maybe we'll start getting a little bit more serious or so talk talking a little bit about our spiritual beliefs and religion which is not that serious but it's just something we believe in um, well, Sean, I mean, let's talk but, about it very briefly. If we're going to do this, we got to we got to address the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Um, how in the world um, those people that, that 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 stormed the Capitol that day, how in the name of God did that many people? Uh, how in the, how did that many people um, um, absorb and believe? the false information that they did uh, to the extent that they were going to, to raid the Capitol and for them to be literally feet from some of our lawmakers. And I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats or independents to have people like that go in and do the things they did. Um, I'm telling you, I was never more sick to my stomach in, in my life uh, about any uh, thing that I saw because really um, those people, if they would have been leveled with, if they would have been leveled with, they would have been pissed off that they lost the election or whatever happened or whatever it was, but they would have been pissed off and disgruntled, but they wouldn't have done what they did. They did what they did because they were encouraged. They should have yeah, been dis- still, discouraged. It still, takes, it still takes the person to make the decision. Um, and I think, I think what happens with a lot of these networks, um, it's not always because the networks, honestly, the networks are really, um, no, less, Sean, less, no. they're, they're, lo- no, I'm not they're buying a lot that. less influential than what happens when people get together with their crazy ideas and they start reading these other 
no, these other papers that I'm are not going to buy that. Those those networks are tremendously influential, and that those yeah, QAnon but, but or those websites people, that people they're tremendously oh, influential. Yeah, well, QAnon, and those, these guys the websites are yeah, but the, these the, the guys are susceptible are to that because these guys are real. Most of them were very very um, yeah, but that, um susceptible to to indoctrination. Let's just put it nicely. Every, that, that happens on both sides, though. I mean, I, that I've happens seen, on I, both I, sides. I, I don't but really watch. Well, I think I think to draw a false comparison or like a what you're doing is you're trying to draw a false equivalency and really that's a lot of horse shit to be honest just between me you and a lamppost to say well you do it we do it no 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 i'm going to tell you something um there was one side predominantly that was involved in storming the capital and i'm going to tell you something well i I better job i'm going i better tile this down because i'm going to go i'm really going to go thermo and i don't want to do it um uh, sean what we can say about this whole thing is what you and i can say about this and this is live we don't what we could say about this whole thing is your point that you were trying to make about this was when you feel good but look the thing about storm in the capital is that unfortunately a couple people did die because of these idiots but on uh in in the long run the congress was able to do that day what the what the framers would want them to do and that was to fulfill their obligation and they did that so the good side did win. Uh, unfortunately, a couple innocent people had to die because of these morons. But it's okay. Um, and I don't. I, I'm not going any after any political party. If you were there that day and you were storming the Capitol, I don't give a goddamn what your f- political affiliation was. Uh, you were in that group and you you were wrong. If you yeah, did, people that. people could do dangerous things yeah. when they when they when they when their brains and their minds right. think that they're being led in a certain direction and they they feel like they're going to make some impact because. I don't know. Thank Obviously, you. That's what I was saying. They're being led I, in a certain I, I, direction. I, well, Thank my you. point is these networks do have a lot point. of influence. And the people mm-hmm. but I don't think I don't think the people who work for the networks are the talking heads, like the Anderson Cooper, the Tucker Carlsons, um yeah, yeah. Those, those those people, I don't think they I don't think they're consciously um well, they're, they, let me tell you something, they, Sean, they want you to re- incite they want to incite um a side to do violence. I think what happens is they get a little bit of the information from all different sources. But at the end of the day, these people are going to make their own decisions, and they they obviously have screws loose to the point where they're willing to do some crazy, violent things, and it's Sean, unfortunate. I, I've heard people speak that the people that knew Tucker Carlson before he got involved with certain you know, networks, that knew uh, Sean Hannity before he got involved, and said they were nothing like – they were nothing like that when they knew them. What happens is they get on the, a certain place in a certain job, and they get money – forked at them to say the things that they say then they get off the air and they say oh my god i can't believe i did that but hey i i, I gotta make money and you don't i'm telling you it's when you, when you get that much money in front of you, you you're good and then they'll, they'll they'll rationalize it well i just said it because it was here and I, we you know nazi soldiers rationalized what they did because rationalizing is just you're trying to live with yourself about doing something um so i'm just being honest with you that Guys like that, and I'm telling you, I know one guy in particular said Tucker Carlson was he was he was nothing like that. But he got on here, and he got he got he got money, and he got paid, and and now they're going to they and they get off. Now, how many times do you see person? I've seen two or three people from certain networks say, "I can't do this anymore. I can't look at myself in the mirror every morning when I'm shaving. I don't care how much money I'm getting paid. I can't do this anymore." I'm going. I'm going to quit. I'm just going to go somewhere else where I could do real news and sleep at night. And I'm telling you, hand to God, there's one place from from where they run, right? 
they go other places, but there are one or two places from where they are running to think, my God, I can't do this anymore. I cannot live with myself. I'm a journalist. I'm a real journalist. I went to college. I want to do real news, and I don't want to live with myself for blowing smoke up the ass of a lot of people. And that's what we're doing here. But uh, that's it. I, that, that, that's as far as I'm going to go with it. At the end of the day, we're all Americans. And at the end of the day, when I calm down, I reflect and the the, the law or the, the political party I belong to mostly is um, Christianity. That's what I belong to. So whenever I have moments like this, I get a little hot under the collar and this and that because everything I told you is accurate and true. You can go look it up. You can research it. You can't twist it any six ways from some. It's 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 true. Okay. At the end of the day, though, I don't care if you're Republican. I don't care if you're Democrat. If you're a good person, a decent person, um, you're okay in my book. And if you're not, we're not, we're not I make, I, side on the show. Um, no. And if you're not a decent you, person, I'm, I'm going to pray for you that you eventually become one. All right. That's all. Become what? That you eventually, not you. I'm saying if, if you're a good person, I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican, you're, I, I got thumbs up for you. And if you're not, I don't care. I'm going to pray that you become one. Yeah. We want to keep this light in the podcast. Yeah. Um, that's all. So that got a little bit, you know, out of hand. Hey, it's live. It's live TV, baby, yeah. or in this case, live yeah. podcast. So it's want, okay. I just wanted to shed light that there's some crazy people out there who get, get together and they try to, you know, kill governors, kidnap governors. Yeah. They try to overthrow governments. And um, I apologize your, for getting passionate, are, but that's the way it goes. Um, whatever your opinions are, the political sides, you know, that's like, that's your own personal thing. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I do agree with the, the talking heads on a lot of these stations. Um, they view it as like WWE like professional wrestling, um, they view it as like they're just putting on a show and they don't really hate each other that much as they're portraying on TV, but it has to be entertaining. Right, they're putting on a show. They're putting on a, but they know they're doing a bunch of bullshit, but they just do it because they're getting paid and that's their job. There's an old quote in journalism. It's called, if it bleeds, it leads. Um, So they go with what bleeds and what really gets people, uh, you know, their tempers flaring and gets them talking. Yep. Unfortunately, there's there's, there's unstable people out there who, you know, go to do bad things. When they have all information in their mind, they don't know what to do with it. And they think they're going to cause a change, but a lot of times it doesn't end well for them. And they really didn't do anything that was special. Um, and hopefully they get caught. Anyway, let's move on to sports. Um, I had a good gambling beat, actually. Good gambling beat. A uh, really good one last night. For some reason, the Knicks were losing by 14 in the third quarter. End of the third quarter. RJ Barrett wasn't playing. Jalen Brunson wasn't playing. They're playing the Spurs. It was in Texas, it's in San Antonio. But I'm thinking to myself, you know, why not just throw like a bet? For some reason, I did a way larger bet than I usually do. I put fifty dollars on the Knicks at plus eight point five, meaning that they had to they had to um, win or lose by less than eight points because plus eight point five, adding eight point five points to it. Um, and throughout the whole fourth quarter, they're down by like double digits. They're down by fourteen, I think sixteen at one point. And I'm thinking, what a dumb bet. Why would I bet 50 bucks? Because I get so frustrated with these parlays where I'm, you know, you try to win this big money and you're putting together all these parlays. Like this guy's a score touchdown. This guy's a score touchdown. There's like seven legs in the parlay and your odds are so ridiculous, but you win so much more money. So I'm thinking I have a 50% chance to turn this $50 into like, you know, to win like 45 bucks pretty much, almost to double my money. So I made that bet. Then I was regretting it. And then it was like the last minute of the game. The Knicks are just fouling. There's no chance to win. And I'm thinking, okay, this game's probably I'm not, I'm not going to win because they're down by like double digits. Um, and then on like the final like ten seconds of the game, Emmanuel quickly 
um, goes down the court and uh, he hits a layup with two seconds left, about you know less than two seconds left, and the Knicks lose by seven points. And I'm like, holy shit, I just won my bet. So I was like, I went from like agony to like just complete you know happiness. But that's gambling, you know what I mean? It probably wasn't responsible of me just to throw the bet for fifty for fifty bucks, especially maybe for like five ten bucks. But I did fifty end of the year. I was thinking, why not? Got a fifty percent chance, and that was my good gambling beat. Um, but you know, speaking of the Knicks, they uh, you know, a couple of episodes we were talking, they're doing so well. They're on an eight game winning streak. They've lost five games in a row. Uh, I know Jalen Brunson's been out the last couple of games, but they're just a frustrating team. You know, you think they're doing, think they're going in the right direction. You think they're doing good things. And then uh, they totally fool you. Um, you know, it's, yeah, yes, Jalen Brunson and RJ Barrett are big parts of the team, but, you know, to lose five in a row after winning eight and to lose five in a row to not really good teams, like to the Bulls, to the Spurs, um, to the Raptors, like, it's like, you know, what, come on, what are you doing to us? What are you doing to us? But New York fans, we expect this. And, uh, you know, now the Knicks are, I think they're in eighth place in the, uh, they're still in the playoff race. And they're still going to be in the playoff race as long as Brunson's healthy. He comes back in the new year and plays well. Uh, but yeah, they're in eighth now. But your Sixers, Joe, uh, they're all the way up to fifth. Um, they're playing great. I think their their winning streak was snapped recently. But they're twenty and thirteen, and they were they were twelve and twelve a couple weeks ago. Now they're twenty and thirteen. So things are things are looking good for the Sixers, especially without Maxi. Yeah, I mean, I think Maxi's due back. I think any day now uh, he's going to come back. So that and he is he is really. Um, even better than I thought he was going to be. I thought he's going to be a really uh, special player. He may even be in that that superstar. He may he may wind up there. He's really uh, superstars. You know, he has a lot of work to do to get there. Yeah, he might. Right, right. But he's maybe in the tier just below it. But he's a tremendous young player. And you add him to what they're doing now. You know, if they stay healthy, we'll see what happens. I still think, though, that the Boston and Milwaukee are just, I don't know, they're, I guess they're just invested a little more. I don't know. The Sixers still have to show me quite a bit, but at least things are looking up. So that's that's something. And uh, sneakily and subtly, the Nets have got the second place in the Eastern Conference now. The Nets have been on a tear lately. They're 23 and 12. Uh, the Nets are, so Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, that connection is really working. And I, I don't even know if Simmons is even playing a big role at all. Who? Ben Simmons. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but the Nets, uh, they haven't lost in a while. I mean, and they're beating some good teams. They beat the Hawks, the Cavs, the Bucks, the Warriors. The um, see who else they got in here. Yeah, I mean, not not every team was great. Their last loss was on December fourth versus the Celtics. But since then, they haven't lost, and they're playing really well. So it looks like that coaching change from Steve Nash to Jacques Vaughn is working out. And when you have a healthy Kyrie and you have a healthy KD. You know, the, the combination of just two superstars, they can beat a lot of teams in the league, especially offensively. Because in basketball, if you just have like two or three good players, you know, you don't even need the other players to really shoot the ball much, if ever. You can just keep passing the ball around between those three guys. And obviously the other guys touch the ball too, but they get those guys open shots and do picks and screens and whatnot. And uh, and they have the natural talent off the dribble and they can get a shot anytime they want. So that, that superstar power is really driving the, the nets uh, now. But in terms of college basketball, Villanova was doing pretty well since Cam Whitmore came back. Um, but they we lost to uh, UConn um, on Wednesday night. UConn was ranked two in the country. They're undefeated. I didn't expect us to really win, but I thought maybe we would. Um, but we still don't have Justin Moore back. Um, 
but you know, I think things are looking up. We're playing Marquette tomorrow on New Year's Eve, an afternoon game. And then after that, we're playing Xavier. So we got a big, tough biggie schedule coming up. So we'll see what we're made of. And unfortunate thing happened for Villanova was in college basketball, there's a lot of transfers now because they don't, the trend, when you transfer, you don't have to sit out a year anymore. In the past, you had to sit out a year. And now there's all the national uh, NIL deals where the players are getting paid. So one of our point guards, he's only a uh, redshirt freshman now. His name's Angelo Brizzy. Well, he's not our point guard anymore. He wasn't playing much, but he decided to transfer. I thought it was kind of a hasty decision. I thought if he really stayed in the Villanova program, he would probably, by, by year three or four, he'd probably be a tremendous player. But I think you saw the writing on the wall. <clears throat> there's another point guard we have. Excuse me for coughing. Another point guard we have, Mark Armstrong. He's been playing well lately. He's getting more time than Brizzy. And I guess <clears throat> Brizzy didn't uh, like that he wasn't getting a lot of time. I got to get your cough button fixed, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have one of those. I have, a, I have a, uh, a microphone that's supposed to cut out a lot of these noises, but I guess it's not doing a great job. That's okay. Um, you know, but yeah, Brizzy, uh, okay. Brizzy transfer from Nova. I wish him the best, but I really wish he wouldn't have given up so quickly because he knows he doesn't have to sit out a whole other year. And he probably figures do it before the semester ends. He'll go to another school second semester in the spring, and then he'll start practicing with a new program. But I don't know. I I don't like players giving up that quickly because we we attract a lot of guys at Villanova who who buying into our program and know they're not going to play right away unless they're like absolute mega stars like Cam Whitmore. But you know, I think Brizzy uh, he was recruited during COVID, so Jay Wright and the coaches didn't really get to see him a lot in person. They're kind of recruited him virtually. Uh, so maybe that was part of the issue, but I, I saw some flashes of potential in him and he, he really played hard. He was diving all over the floor. Uh, I really wish he would have given us another year at least because um, Chris Archie Diakono is our point guard now, but he's, he's really not the right guy. He's playing because he has more experience and he's been in the program for a couple of years, but I always expected that Mark Armstrong and Brizzy would take over his minutes, but I guess Brizzy also sees Justin Moore coming back and uh, you know, <coughs> excuse me, got the cough. I got to take, take a sip of water here, but um. Yeah, so best wishes to uh, Angelo Brizzy. I wish he wouldn't have left our program, but we always say once a wildcat, always a wildcat. Um, you know, so best wishes to him. Um, as far as NFL goes, the Cowboys played last night. They beat the Titans. It was on Amazon Prime. Um, I was excited to watch the game. I went to a local bar because they had $22 lobsters. You got a, you got a $22 lobster, get a 1.5-pound lobster, corn the cob and fries for 22 bucks every Thursday. I'm like, why not try it out? <clears throat> and I get there, there's not a spot at the bar and they go to put the game on to me. But then I asked like, while I'm waiting, I'm like, do you guys have any lobster left? And they ran out of lobster by eight o'clock. So I gave up on that. I walked out of the bar, but um, you know, I was watching the Knicks Spurs while I was watching the Cowboys Titans and the Cowboys won the game. Dak played. Okay. I think he had one bad interception, but he had a couple good touchdown passes. The one pass, I believe it was to Gallup, was a really nice nice pass. Or it was to Schultz. I think it was a tight end in the back of the end zone. Um, so, you know, he's 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 doing his thing. He's serviceable, but he's still Dak. He's still not a superstar, and he still has his moments where he loses his right. focus. His dumb interceptions. But, Joe, did, right. you happen, did you have a chance to watch that game at all last night? Okay, so uh, I knew they were playing. I was watching something else, but then I put my little – I have a little – feature on my TV where I can check scores on the right-hand column of the screen. And I thought, man, maybe tonight they'll get upset and the birds will have, you know, the Eagles will automatically just by default, they'll just win the the thing tonight, the home field advantage. 
So, and I saw, I saw Dallas went up seven nothing. I'm like, ah, oh, man. And then I saw, I think it was 10 nothing at one point. I figured, Perhaps Titans aren't going to do anything. Then I turned it. I checked that about uh, about fifteen minutes later it was ten to seven or something. I, I thought it was real good. I thought, hmm. So I did. I did. I switched over and watched a little bit. And then when Dallas started to pull away again, it was like in the like ten minute, like five minutes into the fourth quarter, when they went up by fourteen or so. I turned it off. I do know that there was a big loss on the offensive line. Um, I don't know if it was the center or whoever it was, but, uh, that's going to be, that's going to be an interesting loss, but, um, I just wanted to see if, um, the Eagles could from their living rooms with their feet up, just, uh, win home field last night, but we're going to have to go out and, and, uh, and play the saints and the saints are not that good record wise, but they're always able to beat you. So I want them to, uh, to go out Sunday and take care of business. It's going to be Garner again. Uh, but Garner Minshew, actually, um, he played well enough last week. He played well enough last, last week for them to win. They just, they can't, look, I don't care who you are. You can't give the other team four turnovers, especially a good football team. And that's what the Eagles did last week. All that being said, they had a chance to win the game with a minute left, which is incredible in and of itself. Um, this week, take care of the football, take care of the Saints, take care of home field. Yeah, it so, looks like uh, you guys are facing a really uh, tremendous quarterback in Andy Dalton. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Red Rocket. I mean, I had high hopes for him as, on the Cowboys because I thought he would be a really good backup, and then he got a chance to really play a lot, and he didn't, he didn't really do that great. But he's always been a weird quarterback. I don't think he's ever won a playoff game. Um, he's he survived in the league. He was a starter for a while. A good situation in Cincinnati where they had no competition, and he was their starter for a while. But I guess they saw that he didn't win a playoff game and that he wasn't. Um, a top tier quarterback, but he's always made somehow he gets on teams where the starting quarterback gets hurt. So he's always on, he's always lucky when he's the backup because he, he gets a chance to be the starter for a little bit, you know? Well, I, yeah, I heard, I heard a stat the other day and he has stats are weird, but I heard a stat the other day that Andy Dalton has, uh, is undefeated against the Eagles. Now, I don't know how that, that happened. I really don't, but, uh, now maybe it's three and oh or two and oh, I don't, but I forget what it is, but, um, you know, the, listen, I don't want to be in a situation where we'll have to beat the Giants next week. I, I, let's get it done. And I think every man on that roster is – I think every man on that roster is looking at that Dallas game thinking, what? how in the name of God did we let this slip away? We should have had it right there. There were moments in that game where it was like, okay, here it is, and they dropped the ball they, literally and figuratively. Um, they had their chances, and they and they blew it. But I think now – I think they want that that extra week off too. So Sunday's extremely important. And honestly, um I feel really, really, really good. But if about you guys, the Eagles lose, this you guys week. what happened to lose? Because you guys are favored by five and a half points. You're at home. You should win. Mm. Um, but if you guys happen to lose uh Sunday, uh, are you nervous about that last game? Isn't the last game who's the last game verse? It's against the Giants and it's a division rival. And you don't and think that you know if the Cowboys went out and the Eagles lose it, also the Cowboys steal the division, you that would that would not you know mess you guys up for the playoffs. You guys wouldn't be thrown off by that. Oh, that would be very disturbing. That would be <laughs> very, very disturbing. Because it's not only division, it's 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 home field. And, and you know, and only that only the top seed gets a bye. You know, um, so yeah, um, now when you, when I exhale and calm down, the likelihood that we lose out and you win out is, is 
going to be pretty low, the likelihood. So the Saints, we're going to respect the hell out of them, but we're going to come out here and take care of take care of business. And like I said last week, barring any crazy shit or fumbles or anything like giveaways and things like that. You give even a bad team four, you, you know, turnover. You give a good team like Dallas four, four turnovers, and you're still in the game with a minute left. Only a strong team can do that, right? Now, what happens if you don't give it away four times? Of course, yeah. It's what, what I thought last week was that they would have won in Dallas, and they would have if they didn't do that, but they did. So this week, take care of the football, play your ball, get after the quarterback, okay, get after his ass. Uh, and run the ball, do, do, do the thing, play Eagles football, and we're going to win this thing, you know, cause, cause they all, every man on that roster knows they don't want that last game to have to mean anything. So, yeah, I think just going around the NFL, I think, uh, the best games this week is Dolphins Patriots. Cause that AFC East is kind of like, uh, you know, those two teams are fighting to make the playoffs. Um, then you have Dolphins Patriots is one o'clock also. Uh, same as the Eagles game. Um, Vikings Packers are playing the 425. That's, that should be a good game because Vikings Packers is always competitive because Aaron Rodgers versus the Vikings, you know. Um, but I think the best game is Monday night, Bills versus Bengals. Burrow versus Allen on Monday night. That's going to be nice. That's a good game. Yeah, that's a good game. They, especially... they haven't really had it, these primetime games. I know they try to schedule like matchups and whatnot, but a lot of these primetime games awful. are fucking awful. I'm telling you, it's like, who's playing? A, a, are you serious? Jesus, you know what? Are there's the reruns of Gilligan's Island somewhere or some shit I can watch? You know, <laughs> it's like it's unbelievable with some of these games. It's like I don't give a rat's ass whether the, uh, you know, whether the uh, the Rams uh, beat the Saints or something like. I don't give a damn. What the hell do I care? Yeah, and so think about uh, the thing about being, the games only being on Amazon Prime, it kind of hurts bars because I walked into that bar last night and everyone's is crowded. Everyone's eating at the bar and stuff, and there's college basketball on. There's other you know, there's college football on. And I'm, I had to literally ask, I'm like, because I called earlier to confirm that they had the Cowboys game because it's on Amazon Prime. And the, the bartender was confused. You know, they're like, oh, we don't know. We got we to get someone to set it up. And so they were scrambling to get it set up. And I'm like, man, it's, it's a Thursday night NFL game. The NFL is kind of king of everything. Um, so for them to have to, you know, to have to do all, to all, jump through all these hoops to get that Amazon Prime game streaming in the bar. That's like, you know, that's another negative about it being on Prime, you know, exclusively. So. The only thing I don't like about Prime, because I have it. You got to keep uh, switching from cable to Prime, right? You yeah. Have to, it's, Prime it's is, like, you have to, you have to go yeah. to the Prime app and click on the, click on the Prime game. And I'm not, I'm not complaining about the Prime stream. It has good those extra features and stats and all this other stuff. And Al Michaels is cool and Herb Street's cool. But um, I don't like the idea of like switching back in because I wanted to watch the Nick Spurs game last exactly. night. Exactly. I have League Pass and my League Pass subscriptions on the NBA app. So I had to like watch the Knicks Spurs on my phone and then the Cowboys on the TV. And it's like, you know, it's too much of this, you know, separate app type stuff. Cause I cut the cord. I don't have a, I don't have a cable box. I have YouTube TV. So I got YouTube TV. Then I have NBA app for the NBA games. Cause I don't have the NBA app through the YouTube TV. Then I have the Amazon prime separately. So I'm clicking on a million different things and trying wow. to multitask. It's like, what the hell is going on? Well, I have, I have cable, but I have the, the, the Amazon prime, uh, channel network whatever um but when i go into it it says you're entering a third party type thing and you go out there and you want to toggle between that and something else and you can't you're once you're out there you're kind of stuck out there 
you know so i mean you could leave but then it's it's an arduous thing to get back to, in, into it again you can't just toggle back and forth so that's that's what bothers me now if it's a game i really want to watch i'm locked in so i don't care but if it's a game i'm kind of blase about i'll check in and check back out so that's why like last night i didn't even check in until it got interesting i checked in and once i knew that okay this and upset that i henry wanted it's not gonna you know, derrick henry wasn't even playing you know yeah, I, 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 and the quarterback Tannehill wasn't playing. Not even Malik Lewis. They had ex- exactly they had, like, this guy. The guy he's a journeyman. He's been in the league for a while, but you know, you want this. You you tune in for your star players. You know. Yeah, but it is what it is, and um, we'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting stretch down here. Um, I'm concerned about the San Francisco 49ers because. That's a sleeping beast right there. Um, we'll, we'll get into it next yeah, episode. We'll get into it next episode. Wrap up sports here in the episode. Yeah. Um, Joe, you have any last words? Uh, may old acquaintance be forgot. Yeah. You always, you always pull these phrases out of thin air and I'm always like, how does he do that? But um, <laughs> glad everyone's listening. All the links to our social media is uh, in the description. And uh, just the last episode of the year. I hope everyone had a fantastic year. I'm glad people are tuning into our show. And I think 2023 is going to be even better. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.